Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Behind the Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Mary Scott. And I'm Rachel. And today we get to sit down with our new friend, Brie McCoy. Brie is a military spouse, a food blogger, and an author of the book, Come and Eat. She is just the cutest thing ever. And if you followed her on Instagram, you'll know exactly that. Today on the podcast, we talk all things military wife, what it means to host and invite people into your life in whatever season you find yourself in today, and a few tips and tricks for the kitchen. We loved this episode. So without further ado, here's our interview with Brie McCoy. Hey, Brie. Hi. We are so excited to have you. I feel like, yeah, Mary Scott and I has been following you for a while, and so have I. And I just have to say that if anyone's listening that doesn't follow you, it's a must. You are a joy bomb on Instagram. Truly joy bomb. I love that. Thank you so much. That is so encouraging. Wow. Thank you. Like, whenever I watched, I was thinking, there's no way. This has been a really great day for her. I'm going to check back tomorrow. And the next day I checked back and you were just as pumped and just as excited and had so many fun things to say. So I was like, okay, I I, I love her. I have to follow her. So yes, just know it's funny. And you know how Instagram actually sorts the people that you watch most frequently on your stories? So yes. your quote unquote favorites will show up first. Well, you're probably the second or third second or first that show up every single time. So I love watching. That is such an honor. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. That's the best. I completely agree. Well, I started following you after um, listening to your episode on the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, And I, well, Rachel and I are both military spouses actually. And my husband was about to deploy and your podcast just encouraged me so much on her episode. So I started following you. And so when we started a podcast about a year ago, I put your name down as a dream guest to have on our show. Oh. So this is so exciting. Wow. Um, it's such an honor to be here. I love that you heard that episode too, right before your husband was about to deploy that's amazing I know so sweet well can you kind of just take us through who you are and what you do and what your day-to-day is like yes I am a food blogger a home cook I'm an author and I am a military wife I I basically started my food blog several years ago because after I got married it became very apparent that I should I should cook not because, not because my husband said I needed to cook, but because I wanted to eat and we were eating out too much. Yes. And I get that. Yes. I I just never really learned to cook or, or cared to cook. And in fact, Jeremy, my husband, was like, well, I'll, I'll cook for us. But he, um, you know, he travels a lot for his job and I work from home. And so it just made a little bit more sense for me to start to learn to cook. So I started to teach myself how to cook. I failed a ton. And uh, then I just started a little food blog because as we started to have people to our table, um, they started asking for recipes or they wanted to know how I did certain things. And so I just decided, well, I'm just going to, I like writing. So I'll just start a food blog so I can share all of these little things I'm learning along the way. I love that. I love that so much. That's normally how things always, you know, end up being successful is whenever they come from a place that's very real and raw of, hey, I have no idea what I was doing, but welcome to my process. You know, whether it being like, coming from a place of expertise, which I love and I totally respect and relate to you 
even watching your videos because I'm like, okay, there's no intimidation. I just feel very much a part of your process. So I appreciate that. Oh, I'm so grateful. I, I do have to, um, there's so many times I have to let people know because they'll go, oh, she's a chef or she's, and I'm like, I am a self-trained home cook. Yes. <laughs> I struggled through learning just as much as anybody else. And I'm still learning. There's so much to learn when it comes to the kitchen. Yeah, of course, always. For sure. And you have the coolest tools too. I, I do like I do like some kitchen tools. Anything that helps me get dinner to the table faster, I am about that. Well, so take us back on when it came to starting to write your book, Come and Eat. So how did that book be – how was it birthed? And how – was it through just this trial and error process with your husband? Or what was the story of just writing all of these moments down with food and your relationship with the kitchen? Really, my book came from a place – it, it came because of my blog, um, started to get some visibility and, and that's how I had an agent, um, reach out to me and asked me, you know, if you could write a book on anything, what would you want to write? And the obvious first answer I think was, well, I have a food blog. So, I mean, I guess I would write about food, but as I started to explore that more, I realized as much as I love cooking and as much as I love food, what I really care about is bringing people to my everyday table. Yeah. And especially being a military spouse, it has been really easy for Jeremy and me to maybe choose not to be part of our community or not to reach out because we're moving every three to four years. And so we've had to be super intentional about, okay, we live right here, right now. Let's dig in deep and fast. And so the more I thought about that, I was like, if I wrote a book, I would want to write I would want the focus to be more on how are we bringing people to our everyday table, no matter what season of life we're in, no matter what kind of cook we think we are, are we, are we opening our, our homes to people? Are we um, inviting others into our lives? Mm -hmm. And I, I really believe that one of the best ways we can do that is by sharing a meal because we're all eating every day anyway. Mm, Absolutely. Have you read the book Bread and Wine by Shauna Nyquist? Yes. Yes. That one is amazing. And I feel like it it beautifully explains and also identifies that it's bigger than eating a meal. It goes back to scripture. Like it's communion. It's the breaking of bread. It's fellowship. Everyone talks about. So there's something spiritual about sharing a meal together, which I love so much. And even if people don't know that it's actually a spiritual practice and it holds significance, and even if they're not believers or whatever, it's just a common that we all have to eat. We all like people. So it kind of, it creates a space for that, that really sweet time. I love that. Yes, it's so true. There's something that's so powerful that happens around a meal, even if you aren't necessarily aware of of what exactly is happening. For sure. It's true. Bree, did you feel like, you know, you were struggling so much in the kitchen and you felt like you weren't sure necessarily what you were doing? Did you ever fight the fear that you couldn't have people over because you didn't know what you were doing? Or how what how would you encourage someone who desires hosting but doesn't feel like opening up their doors or feels like they don't know how to start the process? Um, like what was that like for you? Oh yes. I, I definitely, especially when I first started to cook, I really did not want to have anyone over. I mean, I barely was wanting to eat my food, let alone bringing people into my house and letting them, you know, what I thought would be judge my food or judge the way my house looked. Um, but, but what happened is we lived in a community when I first started to learn to cook, we lived in a community where there were a lot of single guys 
in Jeremy's unit and Jeremy just mm-hmm. started inviting them over. Um, I wanted them to come over cause I just enjoyed being around people. And so as they came over, I, I would, I would cook, you know, I was like, I'm putting my best foot forward here. I don't think it's the best thing you've ever had. But really, I started to notice that these guys that were coming around our table, you know, they they were so grateful because they were not getting a home-cooked meal. And so even mm. though I was serving them, you know, what I thought was dried out over salted chicken, they were just unbelievably grateful. And that's what mm-hmm. started to clue me into, okay, something powerful is happening here. I know that this food is not worthy of the kind of gratitude we're receiving right now, but they keep showing up. They keep in, you know, cleaning their plates. And so that's where my shift happened is where I started to realize, okay, it's not as much about the food as I thought it was. It's more about me bringing myself to the table, my husband bringing himself Mm -hmm. to the table. And so we became more committed to bringing people to our table than I became committed to becoming the best cook. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I love that. I literally, when my husband and I first got married, we um, were doing six months of training in Oklahoma and we lived in a Holiday Inn Express hotel. And we were like the, the few young marrieds at the time. So everyone was similar, like very single men. And we just invited guys over to our little like two bedroom hotel room. And they were just overjoyed at like my crock pot because, you know, I didn't have a kitchen for six months. So they loved like the crock pot chili or the random oven like toaster oven nachos and it was so true it was such an amazing way for us to love on them in a season where they could have felt very isolated and lonely so that's I found that completely true in my own life as well I love that so much and I think we can also like switch the roles I know that when I've been um when Jeremy's been deployed and I have been by myself and people invite me over for a meal. I mean, I have been over to homes where, you know, kids are running around screaming. Literally, there's a dirty diaper in the middle of the kitchen floor and the mom's asking me to pick it up. You know, like it's, it's what to them is, you know, might feel like pure chaos, but to me, it actually is a sanctuary. And the fact that they even thought to have me to their table and feed me is like, I mean, it, it truly, some of my favorite memories are those moments because someone It's not Mm -hmm. that they fed. I don't even remember what they fed me. I just remember that they invited me. Oh, I love it. A hundred percent. My husband and I were actually talking about this with another friend the other day of there's there's actually a difference between hosting and entertaining. Mm -hmm. Hosting is having someone a part of your situation into your life, pulling back the veil, inviting them into your home, having them pick up that dirty diaper, just being a part of your life. And entertaining is setting the table, preparing a meal, lighting the candles, turning on the music, inviting someone into Mm -hmm. something that you've produced rather than something that's just already happening in normal life. And and there's this distinction that I think that culture has kind of gotten shifted and mixed up of you can't actually host without entertaining, which isn't true. Mm -hmm. So how would you find the balance between hosting and entertaining? And when I guess is it appropriate to kind of take it up a notch and then entertain and what can be the driving factor of determining which of the two you choose to do with someone that you're inviting into your home, regardless of really if it's in your home or in your kitchen, just more so of a season and just area, another area of life if friends are listening that might find themselves in different seasons? Oh, I think that is such a powerful distinction. Mm-hmm. And you are right. I think we have, and I don't know if, you know, I've tried to trace it back as, you know, my grandmother's generation or my mother's generation where it was like, 
you know, no one comes into the home unless you have the pressed white napkins and the china and the roast coming out. And yeah. <laughs> really, I think that in my mind, I try to do more like 90% hosting, maybe 10% entertainment. Because um, it is fun sometimes to, I'm going to light the candles and we're going to have the music on. We're going to do like a big cheese board and um, maybe it's a special occasion. So I think of entertaining as this is a special occasion and it's going to happen a few times a year. If I was aiming for entertainment more than hosting, I would rarely have people to my table. With hosting, I like that to be like, that's the the core, that's my red hot center that I'm going for weekly or monthly, where it's like you are coming not just to my table, but into my everyday life. Like you're going to see the laundry, you know, in the middle of the floor, the pillows Mm -hmm. are not going to be perfectly fluffed. I'm probably going to ask you to chop an onion, like, (laughs) because I want to share my life with you. I don't want to put on a production for you. That is so good. And also it's, if we're looking at a different perspective, we're thinking, well, for me, whenever I'm being hosted, I feel so much more comfortable whenever I can take off my coat, take off my shoes, put my hair up, enjoy a meal when I feel like it's, hey, grab a paper plate, serve yourself, yes. you know, I'm, I'm busy or I'm unloading the dishwasher rather than being entertaining, you know? <laughs> so I, I just feel relaxed and invited in and just more real. And it creates a space where I can actually be my best self rather than feeling like I have to, oh no, I didn't put on lipstick before I came or whatever, you know? Yeah, we have gotten to a place with our community. It's so funny where we, um, I mean, I think we're always, anytime we go over to each other's homes, we're in like our yoga pants or whatever. After the after a long day of work, we just switch out. And the other night we all went out to dinner and we were like, oh my gosh, you have jeans on. Like we couldn't believe it. We were like, wait, I'm not used to seeing like, oh my gosh, you brushed your hair. <laughs> yeah, you're street That's clothes. So I love funny. it. Yeah, street clothes. <laughs> Brie, what are some of the like top things that you do when you move to a new city? We get this question a lot, I guess, because people know that we're military spouses, but kind of the question of how do we find new friends in each new community? And I feel like you probably have a system when it comes to plugging into a new community. So what are some ways that you use your passions for people and food when you move and you try and plug into a new community? That's so great. The The first thing that we do the minute that we know that we're going to move and we usually have, um, you know, we'll have like maybe a four to five month lead time. So we'll know we're moving five months before we move or where we're moving to, I should say. And the first thing that Jeremy and I do is start praying for the neighborhood um, where God is going to place us mm. because what we have found, um, California is our third uh, station that we've been in. And what we've found is, if you want to create community, um, deep community quickly, you are going to want to invest in your sphere, like right where God, in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. like not looking 20 miles out, 30 miles out. And so it's always been really important to us to know that we're going to invest, whatever neighborhood we end up in, that's where we're investing. We want a church that's close by. Mm-hmm. We want to know our neighbors. Like we want to be doing daily life with our neighbors. We want, you know, the grocery store that's close by and the, like all of that stuff, we're going to stay in that sphere. And so praying um, for that neighborhood has always been number one for us. And then once we move, we start getting to know the neighbors pretty quickly. And something that I've learned is I think when you show up as the new person, you want to believe that 
well, I'm the new person, so they should come to me. Like, they should bring me the muffins. They should bring me the welcome to the neighborhood. (laughs) And I I realized that doesn't happen so much anymore. It does not. No, this just happened to me. And I brought my new neighbor a loaf of sourdough bread because I wanted to get into her house. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's so interesting. And and there was a time, there was a neighborhood we lived in where I, I mean, I went months without knowing my neighbors simply because I was waiting for them to come introduce themselves. And I, you know, I'm sure they, you know, Mm. maybe were thinking like, well, you're the new one here. You know, maybe you should come introduce. So we, I have gotten rid of that idea of like, I don't, just because I'm new doesn't mean I have any kind of privilege here. And so I am going to go and introduce uh, myself. So we, you know, we introduce ourselves. We, we pretty quickly want to either um, like, well, we'll uh, like say, let's go out. If it's less intimidating, you know, you want to go out and just like grab a coffee or, you know, grab a glass of wine. And then from there start Mm -hmm. to, you know, start to get into their lives, to know them, exchange phone numbers, um, learn more about them. Mm -hmm. And so that's important to us. And then, like I said, really staying within that community um, and not trying to, you know, go to a church that's like 40 minutes away when it's like, okay, well, well, now we've completely moved into a different neighborhood in a way. So now our small group will probably be 40 minutes away or whatever. Um, So that's been really important Mm -hmm. for us. Yep. I love what you're saying about praying for this place and the grounds of where you're about to go it almost preparing a way and whenever you go there it's the Lord is there before you even go there which is so cool and I love that aspect of him and his nature but even in scripture in Jeremiah it shares that this is something that we're actually supposed to do and it's a practice that Thomas and I are starting to do which is why I'm bringing it up and I love that you said it as well because in Jeremiah 29 it says seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I'm carrying you into Mm -hmm. and pray for it because if it prospers you prosper too Mm -hmm. and if you sow into where I'm calling you into, I'm going to show up in ways you never even knew. Or really, we're able to see the ways he's showing up easier because we're looking for him, you know? And and in that way, preparing the land for where you're about to go is so important and special, whether you know it's going to be somewhere you're going to or not. So just praying into your next season is actually something we're called to do, which I think is so beautiful. I love that. I love that. And it definitely starts to... Um, I think something that's helpful about praying when you know that you're going into a new place is, for example, like I really love where I live right now and I know we're going to get restationed pretty soon. And I have found that once I start praying for where God is taking me, the land that God is taking us to, I, my heart starts to soften and I become prepared to leave as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know if that work would happen in my heart if I wasn't intentionally seeking the Lord about the next place he has for me. I mean, I feel like, it, especially here in Hermosa, that I told Jeremy so many times, like, I will leave Hermosa when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's aggressive. And so I, I have that. noticed, like, okay, as I've been praying about where God is going to take us, I, I have started to, like, okay, maybe I, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, so yeah. Funny. My heart softening. And I love it, too, because, I mean, for me, there's been so many times when we've moved, not even for military reasons, but there's been so many hard seasons that I have attached to a location because that's just so where it happened to happen. Mm-hmm. 
where we struggle was in fill in the blank. So therefore I hate fill in the blank and Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. really has been hard, but just by praying for it, it actually takes the pressure off of the location, off of the land and off the place. Therefore, then you're able to actually see and seek the prosperity of that land and say, you know what, actually I want to see this place thrive and a Mm -hmm. part of it thriving has to come through maybe a difference I could bring to it. So God use me rather than it being a, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm actually going to die in this place cell by cell. (laughs) And it changes your perspective for me at least. So I think, yeah, it's totally just, it annihilates any, I feel like potential tension that the enemy may creep up on this season and so that you might leave with regret or shame or whatever. But actually, you can leave victorious knowing, you know what? We did that really well. I love that season, not just because it was fun, but I feel like we did it really well. And and now that place has more meaning and significance and sweet moments. Okay, so whenever you guys are moving all around, I'm sure a lot of it too is you're moving, your husband moving without you and deployment. But can you share a little bit about what long distance marriage was like for you all? I feel like it's different for everyone. And Mary Scott can share her her situation as well. But I'm just curious (laughs) of what that was like for you guys. Well, maybe even before that, Brie, like how you guys met. I don't know if you want to tell a little bit about your story, but how I don't I don't know if you knew he was going to be in the military before you got married or what was all of that like in general? Oh, yes. Okay, so we actually met uh, and a mutual friend introduced us over Skype. <laughs> no she <way. laughs> uh, had grown up with him and I came I went over to her house and she had been wanting to set us up for a long time, but she had told me I lived in Colorado at the time and he was already stationed in Florida. So she had told me like okay. he's in the military, he's stationed in Florida. And I was like, that's two red flags too many. Like I was like, I am yes. not interested. <laughs> and I, you know, I had told her, I grew up in Colorado Springs and that's a heavy military community. Yeah. And I just, I just knew I would never marry a military guy. I was like, that seems like a really hard life. Um, yeah. I had grown up I and was too. raised yeah, I, I had grown up and was raised in Colorado my whole life. So I couldn't imagine, you know, being somewhere for 26 years to like then moving all the time. So anyway, I was not interested. But then I came over to her house and he was in Skype. He was on Skype. And then obviously I was like, well, wait. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't want to get to know you after talking with him. And <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so he, we started dating. Um, You know, he came out and we met and everything. We started dating and then he deployed for four months. So that was oh my gosh, so, what a tease! Oh, I was like, is this what? And he came back, and I really was like, I cannot do this. Like that was, that was so hard. Yeah. Um. But I really, as I actually prayed about it more, because he was pretty clear that like, well, I'm gonna propose, so I hope that you say yes. And as I prayed about it, I really felt like the Lord had told me that He is calling me to to not think about it that the Lord is calling me to the military, but to think about it that the Lord is calling me to a man and this man happens to be in the military. Mm, that's mm. good. Yeah. Mm. And so that, mm-hmm. that really helped me. And we have been through, I think we just went through our fourth deployment and they have all been so different. The first one, when we were dating, which was about seven years ago, I mean, he didn't have Wi-Fi in his room. He would have to go sit in a wait in line and sit in like a wooden box and talk to me like a payphone yes Yes. and it was so hot in that box and you know we had very short conversations to this most recent deployment um we were facetiming every day you know he had wi-fi um he had easy access to wi-fi and his job was not as taxing so so yeah we 
it's been different each time, but the most recent time, something that really helped us is um, we both have been into the Enneagram for a while. Mm-hmm. So yes. yes, we love Enneagram <laughs> talk. Enneagram, that has been, we, we read an Enneagram book, you know, while he was deployed and I was here, we went through this sacred Enneagram together and that was, love it. yes, it was, it was very enriching. And then we actually, right before he left, he told me that he had never seen the show Friends. Like, what? Yes. I was like, how has this never come up? So he would probably about three or four times um, a week when he was waking up in the morning, I was going, it was my bedtime. Yeah, yeah. And so he would call and we would watch an episode of Friends and we went through all of Friends. Well, oh my oh God. We called it date night because we were I like, well, we it. still need to do like. So we would just FaceTime and then set it up on our iPad so we could still see each other or pause and laugh or whatever. So we just felt like we need to do something like fun and lighthearted because deployments can be so hard and sad. Conversations can get sad or, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. So that was our way to kind of keep it light. I love it. And it was your escape. It was an escape for sure. And I love that you're saying about, oh, this just rocked my world because this is very much a season Thomas and I are in right now of um, you're not marrying the military. You're you know, you're not marrying into the military, you're marrying this man. And that's what the Lord's called you to. And I think what's so beautiful about you and Mary Scott and I is we are all very um, creative and entrepreneurial minded. And we have desires to create and to host and to love people is what I'm sensing. And it's so beautiful because through the season of Thomas getting accepted into the military and all these things, long story short, my husband has been in the Air National Guard for about eight going on nine years and he just got accepted to be a pilot at the Birmingham Air National Guard yeah so we're not going to be moving around as much since he won't be active duty but it it has changed my perspective and I feel like right now the enemy creeps in and his biggest weapon is oh Rachel but what about you what about your dreams and yeah now you have to compromise to what Thomas has and oh man that really stinks Mm -hmm. and that's where I get overwhelmed and thinking yeah well what is my calling and I guess my calling is now compromised Mm -hmm. or I have less options and the Lord actually actually said to me I don't compromise I don't I'm not a compromising God. And and in fact, this is actually a blessing that you have a space and a place that dwindles down the opportunity. And you can look at that in a bad way, or you can look at that as a great way of, hey, I'm pinpointing what you're mm-hmm. called to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't get as clear of a calling, but you do, because I wouldn't call you and Thomas together and uniquely sure. if you are supposed to actually be in opposite direction. So actually what you're doing falls into this life as well and into Thomas's calling and Brie, you writing the book and us having this podcast. And how interesting is it that the Lord has actually given us those desires and opportunities and spaces to show up, like a calling with a capital C that fits into what our husbands are are doing and being obedient in as well. Isn't that beautiful? I love that so much. And I think that is such an important, I love, you know, that the Lord was telling you, you know, I don't, I don't compromise because I think it is so easy. I mean, every time we move, I'm like, wait, this is going to feel like it changes a lot for me. I have to figure out my new kitchen situation. I have to do that, you know, and then, but just realizing (laughs) like, actually my heart is for creating community wherever, wherever I am and whatever season I am in. And so how convenient that I'm going to be in a lot of communities in my lifetime because Jeremy is in the military. Right. I love that. And so, yeah. 
That's so awesome. I was going to say, what are some of your favorite things that you've done or that you look forward to doing when he is deployed? Because, yeah, this podcast is a great example. I called Rachel when Daniel deployed last year, and I said, well, looks like I'm going to have a lot of time on my hands. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do this with me? And I think it – you know, I always say, like, this would have never started had – I not been in that season and Rachel been in the season she was in where she had been moving. So what are some of the things that you actually like look forward to when he's gone or what are some things that you've done in those seasons where you've been more alone? Oh, yes. So that's a great question. People do not ask that question. They want to know like how hard was it and everything, but there's definitely (laughs) things to look forward to. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I love, um, so I love cooking and I love, like one of my favorite things is to maybe have a glass of wine and cook like a two or three hour long meal. And I have like a handful of them that are, you know, turn on music and whatever it is, but that's just not feasible for our everyday life, especially when Jeremy comes home from work, he's so tired. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's, I, I did when I first started learning to cook, I really was like, we'll be eating at 10 PM. Um, like I'm making, you know, this, I'm making risotto now and I'm just going to stir it for two hours. And so, so it was like quickly became apparent that, okay, no, on weekdays or, you know, especially with Jeremy here, that's, that's a little much, but when he's gone, I actually like, I break out those recipes and I get really excited about having that time in the kitchen. I also, we do not like the same shows generally. And so, um, I get excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to binge watch shows <laughs> like in the evening. You know, we're not, it's, if it's, especially if it's by myself, if I'm by myself, um, then I know I can like watch some of my favorite shows. So that's fun. He, like, he came back from deployment about two months ago and I was like, I am so far behind on all of these shows. I was apparently like <laughs> super into. <laughs> yes. He's like, what but is Western fun. culture? I don't know. Yes. Exactly. I'm like, what? People are taught things are ending. There's like spoiler alerts everywhere. I don't need to know what's happening. Um, but it's fun. And I think I've, I have had being here in Hermosa, um, there are actually a lot of friends that are single here that we have made and a lot of them are girlfriends. And so it's just been really fun to kind of, yeah, I can, you know, then call me up on a Tuesday and be like, let's go out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, let's go out or, yep. you know, have fun adventures together and not really have to think like, well, let me, you know, let me make sh- see what Jeremy and I schedule are or whatever it is. Yes. Oh my gosh. I literally miss my, my girls nights with my friends so much. <laughs> I I moved in with my best friend and her two-year-old son <gasps> when Daniel deployed last year. And I just forgot what it was like to like have a girlfriend all the time, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I I went over to Savannah, Georgia, which is where Mary Scott was living at the time when Daniel was deployed, and we were discussing all the things about this podcast and getting it off the ground. And we went on a walk. I don't know, Scott, if you remember that, but we went on a walk in your neighborhood, and I remember saying, <laughs> is it weird that this is your new normal? And she said, you know, it used to be weird, but now I'm learning to love it. Yeah. I, I get my own time, and I get to go on walks and get coffee and facial masks and I I don't have to share with my day with anyone which I'm just getting used to I don't know it's gonna be like when Daniel gets back well and it was definitely a hard readjustment but at the same time I'm like and now I love that it's Saturday morning and we get to do our coffee day together you know I just think it's all about your perspective that's so true Jeremy he's home now obviously it's about two months and 
um, I was thinking the same, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an adjustment when he comes back because I am really living my best life. Like, and also there's so much less laundry. <laughs> but ambitious. Yeah, He's been back for two months and he's actually getting ready to go on a trip for a few weeks. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't leave. I can't like, no, I love that I being here. So it's so interesting how you can, God has made us so adaptable and so able uh-huh. to um, come up against the circumstances he gives us. So I'm very grateful for that. That's so good. I completely agree. I'm like a complete Brady cat. So I had to learn how to get good at sleeping by myself. Yeah. And now if he like gives three minutes away for on both like staff duty and I'm like, no, don't leave. <laughs> I'm scared again. <laughs> yes. So funny. Oh so my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, Brie, I have to know if you, okay, well, first of all, what was the recipe that you tried um, and first conquered when you were trying to get really good in the kitchen? Like, where do you feel like most people should start if they're trying to make something like completely amazing, but not completely overwhelming? Okay. My first recipe, I remember this. I remember this. It was from Cooking Light and it was a chicken enchilada recipe, which actually sounds maybe like there's a lot of components and there's a lot going on into it but they made it really easy you know you could buy store-bought salsa verde and the thing that I learned very quickly um with with Mexican food or Latin food is that you have like you have you can have guacamole you can have salsa you can have chips like there was just so much that you can't really fail at like it's or you can't mess up like okay taste it oh it needs a little bit more salt it needs a little bit more lime juice and I think Mm, those flavors are really also what helped me start to learn about like why do I need the acidity of lime juice? Why do I need, you know, the punch of salt, um, the freshness of the tomatoes? And so every single time someone would visit, oh, and then melty cheese. Um, who doesn't love melty cheese on it? Of course. So it was just, <laughs> I I fell in love with it. It made me feel more confident as a cook. And anytime anyone visited, I was like, we're having enchiladas. We're, ha- we're having them. Like some people probably ate my enchiladas like eight times. And uh, I think one of my favorite tips to share with people, especially people who are like, well, I want to host, but um, I don't, I don't know that many recipes or uh, whatever it is. And then like, you should only know you, if you feel confident with one or two recipes, that's all you need. Because um, Mm -hmm. first of all, you, if you feel confident cooking that meal, then you're going to be way more able to be focused when people arrive to your house. You can be more yourself. You know, I like to cook a meal that I can make with my eyes closed. Um, a meal that I know, like, if I'm missing some ingredients, I know exactly how to, like, spruce it up a little bit. Um, yes, and then yes. I'm like, you can cook people enchiladas eight times. Like, people, some people will come to my house. When they come to my house, they know they're getting my bolognese. And it's, like, mm-hmm. the 10th time they've mm-hmm. had it. But now they look forward to it. They're like, when we go to Bree's house, we get her bolognese. It's your brand. And I some people think, like, I can't feed people the same recipe. And I'm like, well, when was the last time they were at your house? Two weeks ago. Okay, well, they probably haven't had your (laughs) – they haven't had bowling games for two weeks. So um, it's kind of fun to become known for a recipe too. I love that. That's true. I feel like I have to brag on myself. I really love my white chicken chili, and that's kind of become my thing. And so anytime my brother Hamilton comes to visit me in Birmingham – I ask him, hey, what do you want to eat this week? And 
he always says white chicken chili. That's I'm like, so okay, sweet. got it. That's just I my thing it. now, and he looks forward to. But the same when I would think about growing up and visiting my Mimi, I always looked forward to her poppy seed bread. It's just a thing, you know. Everyone knows you by whatever you make. It's just a comfort. So I don't think consistency is bad. It's I, not I love bad. it. Yeah, it's so true. I'm here for it. I love white chicken chili, by the way. It's Yum. the best. And maybe one day you, we can visit you or you can visit us and you can teach us how to make your enchiladas. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would love yes. that. <laughs> That'd be so fun. So we love just chatting through some of the things that you're loving these days. I know what I am loving that is from Brie. I'm loving iced coffee with heavy cream. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Or the sweet potatoes with the Irish butter you shared. <laughs> Thank you, Brie. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Oh my God! Here for did you not it. Have, what did you used to put in your coffee? Um, like here's the thing. Okay, so I definitely have an intolerance to dairy, but for some reason, heavy cream does not bother me, and I think it's because I read somewhere somewhere that like when it's a full fat dairy apparently the lactose doesn't bother you whatever the reason is I used to tell myself I couldn't have cream because it would hurt my tummy so I would get almond milk and it was so sad but then you started posting about the heavy cream all the time and now it's what I put in my iced coffee every day what I haven't tried though is I haven't tried your infused honey is that what it is the mint simple syrup there it is I have not had that Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I love that heavy cream works for you. That is something that I found too. Jeremy and I did a paleo challenge a while ago and they were like, you can do heavy cream. And we were like, what? Um, But there's something about it that your body can process really well. Um, And then the mint simple syrup. Oh yeah. That's so good for summertime because it's just so fresh. Yeah. It's so fresh. fresh. Okay. Well, what are some things that you are loving? I already told you what I'm loving. Thanks to you. But what are you loving? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have to say, well, obviously obsessed current obsession the past few months has been the starbucks drink that i drink oh two minutes too much i'm drinking too much of it but it is um an ice grande starbucks double shot with one pump classic and some heavy okay. cream she's and, got that down yeah. she can say that a thousand yeah, times in her sleep it is an order <laughs> it is like i feel like i'm ruined for all now, anytime I buy my coffee, it has to be that drink because it's like the perfect amount of the um, intensity of the espresso with the creaminess of the heavy cream and just mm. a tiny bit of sweetness with the simple syrup. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I need that right now. <laughs> it is a problem. I've had to start making it like my carrot. Like, okay, Brie, if you do this big project, you get an ice Starbucks double shot. Yes. Like, I love it. I love that. You're negotiating with yourself. That's how I was in college. I would like read my textbooks with Skittles down them and I got a Skittle every paragraph I read. (laughs) That's so smart. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, treats are good. Treats are always good. I love that. I am really loving, this is kind of a weird one, but um, I just got a lettuce keeper. Like, so chop your lettuce and then put it in the lettuce keeper in the refrigerator and (gasps) we have been eating so much lettuce recently I think because the weather is a little warmer and also it's like we've been eating it before dinner so right when Jeremy gets home and I make I love homemade dressing so I have a lot of different I'll make a homemade dressing on Sundays that we'll have for the week and so um we've just been like he'll come home and it's kind of like we get a bowl and put salad in it and put avocado in the dressing and 
um, some Parmesan cheese. And it's like a little appetizer, but it has also become a really awesome wind down for us, like from work to just like stand at the countertop and get a little something to eat before we really go into the evening of like cooking and all of that. Um, And then just kind of decompress a little bit. So we've loved it. It's become like our new ritual and we go through lettuce very quickly, but I like cutting it all at the beginning, like on Sunday. I don't want to, you know, chop lettuce every day. <laughs> right. And so it was turning like brown or it was getting kind of like, you know, wet or slimy. And so I was like, I'm getting a lettuce keeper. And I got one and oh my gosh, it's like my favorite. It's like my prized possession now. It keeps the lettuce so crisp, like as crisp on the first day as it was you know, on the oh seventh day gosh. as it was on the first day. And it's, you I know, bright this. and green and not brown and I love it. I'm so obsessed it's with It's like God. a plastic box with holes in it. Like I'm trying to picture this. Yes. Like yeah. it's like a plastic box and then inside it's like um a colander kind of with holes in it. Like oh. you could use it the inside insert as a colander to wash off the lettuce. Um oh. and then and then it has a top on it and you can select like it will tell you if this is fruit, you want to keep the vent open this much. If it's lettuce, keep the vent open this much. And wow. so there's some- Are you serious? This is amazing. I know. It's like super, super intense life situation. Like, what did our parents do? Right? You know? Like, I have this tomato cutter slicer thing, and it hugs your tomato. It looks like a claw, and it holds it well, and it has a stand. You can stand on the cutting board and slice your tomatoes all evenly into perfectly perfect slices. And I'm thinking, what would I have done without this? I I just don't know. It's so true. There's some things where you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. it's. I'm like, I don't even know what life was like before this. Before this lettuce keeper. Are you reading anything fun right now, Brie? Oh my gosh. Okay. I just got done with um, Atomic Habits. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. My friend Dylan actually recommended this book and keeps talking about it. We've had her on the show too. And I think this is going to be my next buy. I'm so looking forward to oh reading it. Oh my goodness. It is. Um, I had actually read, I had just read the book Essentialism and um I thought there's nothing that's going to top this book. Like there's nothing that's going to top essentialism. And everybody kept talking about atomic habits. And, um, and so I, I got it and it is so good. So many of the things he talks about, I have not heard anyone else say before. And I think that's what makes it so amazing. It's not like the same principles that you've heard, like wrapped up in a different way. It's just like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Right. And you really start to understand, Mm -hmm. okay, this is how a good habit is formed. This is how we break a bad habit. And if you put his, I've already started to put his principles, um, into practice for some of the, you know, good habits I want to put in practice in my life. And I'm already seeing like, oh my gosh, this is actually becoming a habit. Like this is, this is happening. I need that on my list. I love it. So good. What are some of the habits, just because I'm curious, which of the habits you are loving to make these days? Just Okay, I, so I am a, a seven on the Enneagram. That means I'm like, you know, in You're my, the fun friend. Yes, I'm a seven. What are you ladies? I'm a three wing four. Okay, Rachel. Okay. I'm a, I'm a two, three, but I go back and forth with whether or not my wing three is too strong for me not to be a three, two. Uh, <laughs> I don't, true. I think I'm a two, three. That's so, oh, I totally, yeah, that's a journey. That's a journey figuring that out. <laughs> You're like, 
<laughs> but I'm in my so I'm I'm all in my head. I'm in the head triad, and so like all of my decisions, everything I do goes through my head, and it's very hard for me to quiet my thoughts down or my mind down. And so as I was reading the sacred Enneagram and Jeremy's also, he's a five. So he's also in the head triad. So something that we learned in the sacred Enneagram is that the most important thing we can do um, to become healthier is to quiet our minds. And a great way to do that is through uh, meditation or centering prayer. Um, And so, Mm -hmm. so I've been like, I've, I've been meditating a little bit more you know, just quieting my mind. And so sitting, sitting in silence for me is I love that like almost always out of the question. So it's been pretty painful (laughs) to just like, Mm -hmm. you know, try to connect with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'm like, you know, obviously like open to the Holy Spirit and God and trying to connect with him more on a deeper level. Um, And it's kind of hard, but because of the atomic habits, like I've just noticed I'm, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing it every day. Um, I, fe- I do feel much more calm in my mind and much more able to tap into, you know, the small voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, I'm literally so adding this to my Amazon cart as we speak. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I need it bad. Oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> oh man, Brie, this has just been such a treat for me and you are just such a joy bomb, like I said in the beginning. So to be able to Absolute share a little few pieces about you and who you are with our friends and our listeners is Oh, I mean, it's just the biggest treasure. So thank you so much for spending a few moments with us today. It was so wonderful talking with you ladies. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. I told y'all she was a joy bomb. She is legit the biggest joy bomb I have ever met on Instagram. She is just so much fun. And I hope you got so much out of our conversation, whether it was a few giggles, a few recipe ideas, maybe you already follow her on Instagram, but you're able to get to know a few more pieces of her life today. Of course, anything we chatted about today, you can find on our show notes at behindtheblisspodcast.com. And as always, we are continually overjoyed and overwhelmed by your continued support of the podcast. Truly, it continues to blow our minds as we receive your emails, your DMs, kind comments and reviews on iTunes. Seriously, they just blow us away. Speaking of iTunes reviews, if you have a few minutes today, could you leave us a review on iTunes? iTunes reviews are sort of like the SEO for podcasting. They allow for people who have never potentially heard of our show or never would have heard about our show, find our show and join our community of listeners online. We cannot tell you how much those comments mean to us. We can't do this without you. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next week.